on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a wonderful Monday, November the 15th. LA Galaxy into off-season mode. In fact, we think that perhaps everything will go pretty dark and quiet here for a little while afterwards. Galaxy uh, probably wrapping up everything at the stadium. All the players probably packing out their lockers, headed out. Uh, we're going to give you a little bit of updates. We have some updates on some international players with the LA Galaxy playing. We have some information here, a little bit on the Galaxy's TV talk. Some stuff we've touched on before, but want to talk about it. Dennis DeClosa and that decision still looming. Uh, and of course, the LA Galaxy have some finalists for uh, some year-end awards, league year-end awards, not just the team year-end awards. A little contract updates as well. Uh, a whole bunch of fun little things that we have planned for you tonight. Maybe not the longest show, but we got some information. We're going to try to get, do our best to get it to you. All right. Do, joining us from uh, Kingston, Jamaica, by the way, U.S. Men's National Team getting ready to play Jamaica uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. We're recording on Monday night, so tomorrow on Tuesday, they'll play, take on Jamaica. Two LA Galaxy players possibly going against each other. Joining us from Jamaica, it's Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? All right, so I have some news from Jamaica, some Galaxy-related news. That, <laughs> First of all, the media van that we took over to the team hotel to do interviews today had a Galaxy logo on it. I don't think it was LA Galaxy, but it said Galaxy in it. And so I, I thought that was an omen. Um, O'Neill Fisher, as you said, on the on the Jamaican team. Um, Sebastian Legette did not play in the game against Mexico, but... Uh, Greg Berhalter, the U.S. coach, said today with Weston McKinney out because of yellow card accumulation that Sebastian is one of the candidates to start uh, in the midfield. Uh, Greg obviously wouldn't tell his lineup. He said that would be determined depending on how people did in training today. I suspect that's not completely true. I think he probably knows. But to give you a little bit of a feel about Jamaica, you know, I've been tested. I'm fully vaccinated. Yet to come down here, I've been tested three times in the last five days uh, for covid was tested at the airport when I got off the plane, could not come into the country until I passed that test. Um, I had to sequester at the hotel until the test came in. Uh, then I got tested here today at the hotel. Um, and they're going to play this. The, the game is going to be played at uh, Independence Park. It's a beautiful stadium. It's an old stadium. It was built in 1966 for the Commonwealth Games. Um, it's like right up into a, almost a hillside. It's beautiful stadium. Um, it called Independence Park before that was called National Stadium. It's also called the Office. I don't know why it's called the Office. Maybe Steve Carell was here once. Um, but it's the only stadium I've seen that has a football field ringed by a tar a, a synthetic track, a blue right. synthetic track, and then outside the synthetic track is a, um, a velodrome, a bicycle racing track. I've never said it would be great to have all three of those things going on at the same time. <laughs> just just running and uh, and and the velodrome is is the velodrome of unusual size. Is it very large? Because I would well, I mean, I've seen the one at Dignity Health Sports Park and it, you know, fits inside a nice little building. Um, yeah, this one's pretty large. And actually, I think it's out of use because it looks like it's just concrete now. And we know they're, they're not concrete. The, the wood track's been pulled up. Um, supposedly, there'll be a five, there's a thirty five thousand seat stadium. And again, a gorgeous view from the stadium. We're told that the 5,000 fans uh, will be allowed in, supposed to be fully vaccinated. Outside in front of the stadium, there's a statue of Bob Marley. There's also one now of Hussein Bolt. And in front of the statue of Hussein Bolt is about, I don't know, maybe 20 yard long, three lanes, tartan track. So you can sort of 
race your companions uh, in front of Hussein Belt's statue. Did did uh, did you do that? Because you are I, a former distance I, runner. I just didn't know if maybe I, you no, laid yeah, down I needed, some. Yeah, I needed to real track, you know, 25 laps at least. <laughs> um, yeah, 10,000 meters was a sprint for me. So, no, I didn't do that. Um, you know, here in Jamaica, because of COVID, only about a third of the people are vaccinated. And it's not for a lack of vaccines, I'm told. It's, it's just because people... Uh, pay attention to a lot of social media and, and have been misled by a lot of things and, and they just don't want to get the vaccine. But um, there's a curfew at eight o'clock every night. So we've had to stay in the hotel. We can't go out to restaurants or anything. Uh, everyone has to be in place at eight o'clock unless they have a reason to be out. You need to carry all of your vaccine test information with you. If you do go out and go to Starbucks, you, you, I don't blend in here, believe it or not. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, so when I step across the street to go to Starbucks, I have to take all that information with me. I can be stopped at any time to show that stuff. By the way, speaking of another Galaxy thing, uh, a little promo here. My story for tomorrow advancing this game is on Dave Sarakin, who we know, the, the Galaxy assistant coach under Bruce Arena. He took over the, the uh, U.S. national team after they didn't qualify for the last World Cup, took over when Bruce Arena resigned. 23 players, um, a record 23 players, debuted in the one year that Dave was there. He coached 12 games. Um, 23 players made their national team debuts with him. People like Weston McKinney, Zach Steffens, uh, Anthony Robinson, um, um, uh, Tyler Adams. A lot of the players are the core players. In fact, six starters in the Mexico game made their national team debut under Dave Sarakin. Dave Sarakin doesn't really get the, the notice or the attention. He he helped build this team. Now, Greg Berhalter has done a great job. 49 players debuted under Greg Berhalter. He's the fastest U.S. coach ever to 30 victories. Not taking anything away from from Greg, but that one year, 27, 2018, when everybody else was gearing up for the World Cup, Dave Sarakin got to take the innards out of the U.S. national team, start all over again with all these young players, and that's what we're seeing right now. Dave is uh, is such an immense uh, part of the Galaxy's success over the years, too. I mean, uh, having covered that team, Kevin, during, during Dave's tenure there with Bruce, um, it, it was always, it, it, it's always a weird sort of, uh, I don't know, makeup of, of coaching staffs, right? Because when, um, when Siggy was around, uh, Siggy wanted to do the talking, right? If you were going to talk to anybody, I, and I remember specifically, I was at a, at a training inside the stadium and it was a preseason type of thing. And I asked, Hey, can I talk to Siggy? And they're like, you know, um, you know, he's pretty busy today. And, and maybe it was just me. Like there weren't a lot of media there. So it was one of those things. So I was like, Hey, can I talk to Siggy? And they're like, you know what? He's pretty busy today. So I doubt that'll work. I'm like, okay, Hey, well, can I talk to Dominic Kinnear then? Cause he's over there and you know, Dominic knows me. We'll, we'll be fine. You know, whole deal. And they're like, okay, let me go find out and ask. And what happened next was Siggy Schmidt walked over to me because they, he found out that I wanted to talk to Dominic or somebody else and they wanted to make sure he wanted to be the person that was talking to me instead of Dominic Kinnear. Bruce never had that problem. <laughs> Bruce was like, yeah. who, do, who who can I not talk to? And so Dave would come on our podcast. I don't remember if people remember this, but Dave and Pat Noonan, um, I think maybe even Kenny Arena a couple times whenever he was there, came on the podcast and would come on basically in place of Bruce and nobody ever had any issues with that. Um, in fact, we used to have Pat Newton on so that way he could tell us all the, all the funny stories about Taylor, uh, Taylor Twelman. And then I'd have Twelman on to tell me all the funny stories about Pat Noonan. So it was a great, you know, little thing, but coaching's coaching staffs are always weird. And with Bruce, Dave was a wide open book. You want to talk to Dave? Here's Dave. Here's Dave. Sarah can well, talk to him. And he's, you, he's so smart too. You know, you know who else is like Ziggy is Bob Bradley because Kenny arena is now on the co uh, staff at LAFC. And, like you said, when he was with the Galaxy and the national team, any time you wanted to talk to Kenny Arena, it wasn't a problem. I tried that at LAFC, and I was like, uh, 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 you can't talk to me, you can't talk to me. And you have to get, uh, you know, have to go to uh, the express written consent of Bob Bradley and Major League Baseball that's, to be able to talk that's, to any of the assistants. That's so stupid, Kevin. Can we just admit, can we just say that that's so stupid? I mean, you have these, these coaches that are so smart, and you can pick their brains, and they each have their, you know, different things. Like, if you want to talk to Kevin Hartman, you can talk to Kevin Hartman. It doesn't seem like Greg Vanny has an issue. Uh, I imagine if we want to talk to Dan Couchman, which is something we should do, um, I imagine we could do that. Vanny doesn't seem like the guy who's like, I have to talk. You, you're, you're not allowed to. Yeah. Um, well, you know, but we haven't been out there yet, so we don't know for sure. But I've talked to all those guys on the phone, and it hasn't been a problem. They, no one said they had to go through Vanity to get permission. Now, who knows? Maybe behind the scenes it's happening. But right. but you're right. I mean, I, I don't know whether it's a I want to control the message and make sure that we're all on the same page or whether it's I need to be the guy in the spotlight. I don't want anyone else in the spotlight. I, I don't know. But the, the thing is, is as journalists, we want to hear different voices. Yeah. We don't want to hear the same guy because – I can tell you what Bob Bradley is going to say to any question. I can right. probably guess what Greg Vanny is going to say. 
So I want another view. I want if I want to talk about Jonathan Bond. Greg Vanny doesn't know anything about Jonathan Bond, but Kevin Hartman does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, it's one of those weird things. Let's talk a little bit about the Galaxy's international players. Uh, O'Neill Fisher, we were talking about playing for Jamaica, already played 90 minutes uh, in the 1-1 draw versus El Salvador, um, and that was at El Salvador for O'Neill Fisher. So it looks like, and he has been getting minutes, it looks like he he might get some minutes again uh, playing in this next game against the United States. Uh, if you're looking at Nico Hamelainen, I know everybody thinks it's, it's hysterical that Nico keeps starting for Finland, but I think he has 13 starts this last calendar year for Finland. Uh, he just started again. They they uh, they beat uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, three to one, and he went 90 minutes in that game as well. They beat both those guys. Yeah. Um, in wow. and, and yeah, exactly both those guys. Yes. Yes. Good. Good joke. Well, I'd like to see Bosnia and Herzegovina play like, Trinidad and Tobago. Just just to get the TNT and the B and H. Yes. No. I, just like. All those. All, all you want four teams playing at once? Is that the joke you're trying to make? I'm just. No, you couldn't get those names on the scoreboard. I know that. Okay. Yes. Correct. Uh, Sebastian Jet what, didn't play in the first game for the U.S. men's national team. We were sort of keeping it in track on that. Good possibility he plays in Jamaica, as Kevin just said. Uh, and then Ryan Revelison. I swear, being on the African uh, qualifiers always means they're like a day ahead of everything. But uh, already played two games. Uh, played 90 minutes in both games. One is a central midfielder and one is a center back. Um, and so 11-11 and 11-14, uh, they lost 2 nothing at Benin. Uh, and then drew 1-1 uh, versus Tanzania at home. So 90 minutes in both games for Ryan Revelison. I think that dude probably has the most miles traveled on the LA Galaxy team with going to uh, going to Madagascar and flying back all the time in order to uh, play for the LA Galaxy. I'm, I'm sure, while I'm sure he would have liked to have been in the playoffs, Kevin, I imagine that he's looking forward to a little break here in the wintertime to, to, to rest up a little bit. Yeah, he's got some mad frequent flyer miles. And then from Madagascar into Africa. And I don't know if you knew, but Africa is a pretty big continent. That's what I that's what I heard. Uh, and by the way, Madagascar is still 250 miles off the southeast coast of South Africa. So it's not like it's right next to it. You have to travel 250 miles just across the ocean in order to get onto the continent. Um, that's so, a guy who probably during the season doesn't mind not getting called up. I was, he's going to be like, not me, not me this time, please. Yeah. Just let me let me rest. Let me sleep in. Sounds like me uh, right now uh, with my my kid. Can I just sleep in once? Nope. 550 every morning. You know, we talked to Jack Steffen about that today because he has to go back and forth. He just goes to Manchester. Um, what happens after a game like tomorrow is the, the U.S.-based players, they'll get on a charter and come back to Miami. They land in Miami, get their suitcases, and then they go off to wherever they go. The European players, they have a separate charter for them. And uh, I think last time it went to Frankfurt or Berlin, but they fly on that charter into the cent into Central Europe and then take the, their, their individual flights out. Jack Steffen says he can't sleep on the plane. And last time he got back to his apartment in Manchester, like at noon. And though anyone who's traveled internationally, you know, you've got to get back on the local right. time. You can't sleep at noon because then you wake up at eight and now you're awake all night. So he said it was horrible. He can't sleep on the plane. So he's awake all night. And then he gets to his apartment. It's noon. He can't sleep for another eight hours. Um, it, it's tough. I mean, yeah, there's guys like Beckham and Robbie Keane. They got really good at that. Yeah. Well, other guys that are new, it, it's it's tough. I'll tell you right now, there's there's one key to 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 really figuring that out. It's uh, either having those lay flat beds on the plane that are that are more than comfortable enough or, you know, flying on a private jet that also has a giant bed in the back. That also will leave you pr pr plenty rested whenever you get there and different things. Yeah. Zach, Stephan, Zach that, Stephan had a, had a great uh, had a great game against Mexico, too. Sorry, I stepped well, on your I, job. You know, Walker Zimmerman was my man of the match. I thought Walker Zimmerman was just off the hook. Uh, I thought he was so good. You know, Zalatan had that private plane thing going for him. But, yeah, I, my guess is that David Beckham probably does not fly coach. He wouldn't be sitting back with me in steerage. Right. Um, so I, I think he probably can sleep on the plane. Yeah, yeah, he uh, not a problem for there. Uh, one of the other things I sort of wanted to touch on a little bit here is is the Galaxy and TV talks. And I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not. We sort of mentioned it. Um, there is a very good chance, I would imagine right now, that Spectrum is going to pick up another year of the LA Galaxy. One more year. And basically, from what I've heard, it's basically they're talking about it as a bridge year, right? One more year. We all know that MLS, Kevin, is trying to package all of the local rights into one giant massive deal. And perhaps that means all the games will be on ESPN+. Plus. Perhaps that means, you know, the games will be somewhere else. Um, however it ends up happening, they're trying to package even the local sports deals that you have. So the, your local package, you 
watch the galaxy on all the games that get broadcast that aren't nationally televised uh that's a package and there's value to that um and so it looks like right now that spectrum may be picking that up for the single year that is going between now because the uh, everything i've been told is the contract has expired um everything now um is 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 done and so the galaxy technically don't have a tv partner for 2022 and anybody kevin they would try to go out and get at this point would probably want more than one year if they're going to do it so uh absent a whole bunch of choices and probably for ease of understanding and production and everything else it wouldn't surprise me if spectrum picks up another year of the la galaxy now now i say that and in my mind there's no way um, in HE double hockey sticks that Spectrum is paying any more money to the LA Galaxy for this. So uh, the Galaxy might get this year for free if for free in terms of they're just going to allow Spectrum to broadcast it and Spectrum still has the cost of producing the games, that type of thing. That's my my guess. I don't have any inside info on that, but that seems reasonable to me. I have some good news. I, well, I have some interesting news that maybe dovetails with that. Just got a release from uh, uh, MLS. This There was record TV viewership uh, across all platforms this year. Um, and that's what MLS wants, of course, going into a contract negotiation year. They want to go to these networks and say, look, this thing is picking up. We're, we're going in the right direction. But when you look at the numbers, the raw numbers, okay, so you look at percentage, you know, for example, uh, ABC, ESPN, and ESPN2, they had a, an average audience of 276,000. Um, that's up from 233,000. So, yeah, they went up about 40,000. But, you know, 276,000 is not a lot when you look at what, you know, other pro sports teams are up. For example, the U.S.-Mexico game on Tuesday NA drew 3.9 million. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're talking, and granted, this is 31 matches, but still, um, on uh, Fox and, and FS1, they were up 4%. Uh, your viewership was up 4% over um, 2020. On Univision and Unomas and, and, and their networks, they averaged 284,000. That was the highest of the three uh, networks that covered MLS. Um, so they were up too, but again, 284,000 as an average audience. It's going in the right direction, but uh, when you look at, I mean, those are, WNBA is not too far off, and, and NWSL has gotten bigger numbers than that on certain games. So, yeah, it's going up, but it's probably not where, ideally, where MLS would want to see it be. No, I mean, it's it's one of the things that's sort of lagging behind, and, and though they talk about, you know, a huge TV deal is coming, um, you also have to look at the value that they're going to have to put out and lay out in order to get that that type of deal. So I expect that they will get a deal, Kevin, and I expect that that deal will be something that is more than the deal that they have right now, because just in terms of, you know, overall just inflation of things, just the, the time period between the last deal they signed and this one, I would expect it would be more. But looking at all the things they're going to have to part with as well includes all of those local broadcasts they're trying to package and how those go. There's a significant capital that is being spent um, you know, on on getting this higher number. So you're going to be getting a lot more soccer. The number is going to be higher. And in all actuality, it may be paying actually less per game or less per things than you saw before. And so well, here, here's something to look forward to, to look to her. Um, all soccer now, as we know, is going on to streaming. Um, you know, Paramount has streaming. ESPN has all the European leagues now, uh, save the Premier League, which is on streaming on Peacock. Um, I'm told from TV people that that's where the audience is. It's the 18 to 34, sometimes skews a little bit older. These are people, you know, like, like my son, who are totally comfortable with watching TV on a computer or, or you know, having it broadcast on their TV screen. I am not. I'm from an older generation, and and I'm just not comfortable with that. So, But that's where it's going to go. I, I'm, I'm quite sure this MLS rights package will have a lot of streaming content. That's where they put soccer. It's cheaper for the networks to do that. The drawback on that is the MLS is not the Premier League. It's not the Bundesliga. It's not a league that you will find because you want to see it. MLS is still trying to get the average American sports fan as a basketball fan or a football fan doesn't maybe necessarily like soccer. Those fans are going to get it by surfing uh, surfing their, uh, their cable um, menu and coming across a match. That's why LAFC went from YouTube to Channel 13 this year. They found out hey, YouTube was great, but you had to subscribe to YouTube and know the game was there. They want the casual fan to find the game. And if uh, MLS goes to streaming in a large numbers, like I think they will, they're not going to catch those casual fans. They're only going to catch the fans that know the game is there and go and seek it out. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. Yeah. I, I also, can... another, thing with that, another thing with that contract, it's going to be really interesting to see, does it go through 2026? 
In other words, do they tell the networks, you get the World Cup bump? Right. Because there will be a World Cup bump. You yes. get the World Cup bump if you sign up now. We're going to go through the 2026 season. Or does it end at 2025 and then they do a new one saying, you want the World Cup bump? You can see it's coming. Here it is. You got to pay more. Here, here's the thing about streaming and about the casual getting it. And it's if it hits a big platform like ESPN Plus, there are plenty of people who subscribe to ESPN Plus who are not soccer fans who might stumble upon soccer and find that. So there's a large enough subscriber base with something as large as ESPN Plus or perhaps even Amazon, right, where you could get some casual growth in there. I agree it's more destination based. But I bump into stuff on ESPN Plus all the time that I never th thought I would watch, and you end up watching it. Um, and you also have people with ESPN Plus that are there because ESPN Plus covers this game or covers international games or covers this. And so, again, you may not be interested in MLS, but you might be drawn in by, you know, the Premier League or Serie A or, you know, La Liga or however, whoever's amassing all these things. So where it lands is as big as important as what that subscriber base is, because the larger subscriber base, the more people have access to your stuff. Um, and so, yes, I agree with you that just because it's not on local TV, sometimes that can hinder you. But Kevin, I don't channel surf anymore. Um, so I don't, I would never stumble across anything on regular TV. I'm either watching something on streaming, right? And by the way, I'm 40 years old. It's not like I'm some young spring chicken out here, but I either watch it on streaming or I am going exactly to that channel on television because I know that the U S is playing Mexico on this station. And that is why I'm going there. So there's less chance. I have not channel surfed except for right now because my wife watches all the, you know, the Lifetime and Hallmark movies. So that's already, you know, flying high in our household and there's actual commercials and it drives me crazy. Um, not the acting and not the stories that are totally predictable and, and I enjoy making fun of them. So I, I enjoy that part. But the commercials drive me crazy because I'm like, can I just watch this stuff without commercials? Who do I have to pay? Well, do, do you still have the? I have to go up and adjust my rabbit ears, and then sometimes I have to go up on the roof and, and mess with the antenna. You still have to do that? I, I don't. I don't. I don't. And by the way, I know you don't either, because as coordinated as you are, you would have fallen off the roof already. So I, I'm just. I am such a. You kids get off my roof. I am such a dinosaur. <laughs> you, yeah, the guy who broke both of his ankles, if I remember correctly, both of his feet. It was both of your feet, right? <laughs> yes, yes, at the same time. Yes, yes exactly. Two broken feet, yeah. Exactly. So that's couldn't a, get out of the way of a glacier. No, 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 not at all. Um, all right, a little bit more, but we'll we'll keep an eye on this. This is stuff that's evolving right now. We don't have any hard details on any of this and the people we've been talking to and sort of discussing things and just having little chats here and there. That was something that they said could be a I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now, is that uh that it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if the galaxy were on spectrum for one more year. Um, I know it's difficult to find. I know there's different things to sort of, you know, to you have to be subscribed to and it's cut off from some people. But overall, if it went somewhere else for just one season, I'm not sure you're going to get the production value that's already cooked in and already built in. You're not going to get you might not get the people who are already sort of baked into you, this you pie. Get Nikki. Nikki is the reason to keep it on spectrum. Nikki and Kobe and Joe. I mean, those guys more than likely are going to go with the show. But you don't know that because as we all remember, whenever spectrum slash time Warner took over everything, uh, Joe Tatino was not the voice of the L.A. Galaxy in their first season. Uh, and so that was a mistake and they rectified that mistake, but it was a mistake nonetheless. And so imagine that other people have ideas sometimes, and sometimes they're going to be like, we don't want to go with the same old, same old, let's get somebody else besides Joe Totino to announce our games on TV. And we all know that would be really stupid. Um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like if someone picked up the Dodgers and go, we don't like this Scully guy. Yeah, exactly. Jaime Harin? No, no, we don't need him. You know, let's, let's find somebody else. By the way, here's a little teaser. Watch your uh, watch your uh, computer screens next Monday. Could be, I'm not saying it is, could be, I'm hearing that perhaps the MLS home openers could be announced. Ooh. Ooh. Tease. Not the whole schedule, just tease. the openers. I would like to point out to everybody that next Monday we will not have a show. In fact, we'll have no shows the whole entire next week. Is it that is just because of the... That the, the announcements. announcements. Yeah, I just I don't want to do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to do it. Uh, Christian, by the way, asks says, my biggest question here would be, can we finally get rid of blackouts? I'm so annoyed with wanting to watch a match and being like, oh, well, you're in L.A. You can't watch it. So the idea, at least somewhat, is that streaming would be available in maybe a wider area. But 
Remember during preseason, Kevin, when they had all the local restrictions to the broadcast area and it was like, if you're within 75 miles of Los Angeles, then you're fine. But if you're outside of that, which included like Las Vegas, where there are actual um, LA Galaxy fans and sometimes like even outside of San Diego, like the, the lower parts were, were outside of those zones. Um, it, it, so I would say yes, but but also no. And if somebody comes in, uh, and has the rights to that, they're going to monetize that accordingly. And MLS has shown that every chance they've gotten, Kevin, that it's not a nationally televised game, they're going to restrict the geography on that. So I would say question, I would I would hope that that's not the case. In, in a perfect world, my perfect world is ESPN Plus gets MLS. Um, I think we just lost Kevin for a little bit. That's fine. I'm sure he'll be back. Oh, look, he's back. Okay, good. Um, in a perfect world, ESPN plus gets the package, right? And they put zero blackouts on anything and you can go on to ESPN plus and watch any game that the galaxy are playing in and any other game that you want to watch, even if it's like, you know, one that's still taking place in your city somewhere, that would be the ultimate, but there's reasons why that doesn't happen. Uh, and they're really stupid, stupid reasons, and stupid people make them up. Go ahead, Kevin. Stupid, stupid. I, I should just say that I am here in Jamaica, and the Wi-Fi is, I won't say the Wi-Fi is not good, but that it's not Jamaica's fault. I think it's just not talking to my computer very well, so I'm going to blame the LA Times computer. Also, I don't have all my technical wizardry that you've given me, so uh, th- I'm kind of slumming it here. So if if thing freezes or if the sound gets a little wobbly, right. um, that's the reason why I apologize right. for that. Also, we'd like to point out that um, that it also does this whenever Kevin's sitting in, in his house. So, you know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I was going to mention that. <laughs> well, can I can I get on the L.A. Times for not providing you a, a computer to actually do like real podcasting? Because I would like to complain about that for you. Yeah, I think that you should. I mean, your camera overheats and freezes. It's like isn't, isn't this the most listened to pod in the L.A. Times Pod lineup? I'm sure it is, although nobody would ever know, right? We just we just give it away and they're just they're happy to take it and that's fine and I'm glad people can listen. But yes, tell the LA Times that you like listening to Kevin and I uh, on Mondays and tell them that they need to get Kevin a real computer. That's what I would suggest. All right. And a raise. Yeah, and a raise and a raise while we're at it. Wow. Okay, just getting greedy. I was just trying to get you a new computer and you want you want to raise. Um, so anyway, yes, that's where we, uh, that's where we are. Uh, and, uh, somebody in, uh, Las Vegas says that nothing was blacked out. Some of those original preseason games, one of those games was absolutely blacked out because I got people in Las Vegas complaining about it. And I think they eventually had to adjust the, uh, the geolocation on it in order to make sure that, uh, it was okay. But it was like one of the preseason games. Maybe it was even in 2020. I thought Uh, Gio was in Mexico now. Apparently not playing, right? He's a free agent. Gio, Giovanni Dos, Dos Santos is not He's playing. An expensive, expensive agent. Hey, um, his brother may be joining him very, very, uh, very soon. So, all right. Uh, so that's sort of the, the 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 interesting stuff, Kevin, with a little tease on the home openers. Um, by the yeah, way, that was a rabbit hole we went down there. It's okay. It's fine. I tried to get you a raise and a new computer. I'll take that any day. That's yeah, that's always cool. that's always worth it to me. So, so I can stop seeing your computer freeze. Um, so we talked about that. Uh, we're still in sort of a holding pattern here, Kevin. And I think you and I are believing that we are very close to an announcement here from the LA galaxy, um, on Dennis Teclosa and his situation within the club. We've told you now multiple times, the LA galaxy did exercise Dennis Teclosa's contract option. Uh, I was under the impression that they exercised it on the very last day of its ability to be exercised. And I believe that was right in the middle of October. Uh, so vote of confidence. That's right. They're, oh, we're going to wait till the very last we, time. Yeah, yep. we really want you. Yep, exactly. Um, and so, uh, so we believe that that uh, that an announcement is building, possibly even into this next week. Although trying to put a timeline on that, I think is always a fool's errand, Kevin, because we both know that they say that and then it gets delayed by another week and nobody well, really cares. Here's what I think is going on. I did talk to someone with the Galaxy of the day who tried to walk that line down the middle and say, we don't know, is he coming back? He's not, we haven't heard. But then they kind of wobbled off and said, I don't think he's coming back. So the consensus around the offices at Dignity Hill Sports Park is that he is not coming back. But Dennis told me last week that he expected to make an announcement or make a decision by Friday. And I took that to mean that he would let me know. He hasn't He hasn't responded to inquiries about that. Leads me to believe that perhaps there's a little bit of arm twisting going on. Um, Dennis has some offers to go elsewhere. Um, There are some things about the job that he doesn't like, the way it's currently constituted right now at the Galaxy. He may have a little wiggle room to get some of the things he wants, but I know his family loves it here. Um, His wife is from Mexico. 
um, you know, one of the offer, job offers would go back to the Netherlands. She may not want to go there. The kids may not want to go there. Um, so there could be some arm twisting. The fact that it's gone into a new week leads me to believe that um, it, if there were no discussions, Dennis Dennis had already kind of made his decision. I, I thought, and I think yeah. you were in agreement. Yeah. The fact that he hasn't made his decision may, leads me to believe that they're, they're talking. And as long as they're talking, that's good. I, I am of the opposite opinion. I don't disagree with anything you just said, by the way. I think that is a very smart way to look at it. I'm of the opinion that that the reason they're not talking to us is because he's leaving. And if he was staying, that they would talk to us a lot more um, and, and go. And hey, listen, I think the writing's been on the wall for a while. So, uh, you know, I was at 80-20, I think, last week of Dennis going or staying. I'm probably 90-10 now in, in terms of uh, going. Uh, and so, you know, I think it just ratchets up and, and think again, this is, this is different though, Kevin. And I think it's important to sort of point this out. If Dennis DeClosa ends up walking away from the LA galaxy, this, after they exercised his contract, they said, okay, Dennis, we want to keep you. Even if it was the last day of the contract, even if all this stuff, even if they did, they were like, okay, we want to keep you for one more year. And now Dennis, if he leaves has decided, I don't want to be here anymore. And what leads to that? level of uh, by the way a guy who was uh, at our live show Kevin and came and talked to everybody and seemed very happy and enthusiastic uh, as as enthusiastically Dutch as he could possibly be um, Dennis is very uh, straight line uh, straight line thinker which is always good you're gonna get what what he what he tells you like it's just it, he's not trying to sugarcoat anything so so Dennis was that but he seemed enthusiastic that he liked being in LA and he liked being there so stuff has changed within less than six months. Well, um, and, and so let's go down the roster of LA Galaxy general managers since 2016. Bruce Arena, mm-hmm, Pete Vainas, mm-hmm. Ziggy Schmidt, uh, and now Dennis DeClosa. And if Dennis leaves, that's four since 27, since the end of 2016. And now we're, I guess, Greg Vanny takes over. By the way, a segue, no segue at all, just throw it out there, one piece of information I didn't want to forget. The FIFA site visit people um, will be in town in Southern California beginning, I believe, Friday, maybe Thursday. They are doing uh, what they do for, I believe there are now 16, 17 U.S. cities, metropolitan areas, because some of them aren't necessarily cities. It's like, uh, you know, it's Miami, but it's really not Miami. It's on Miami Gardens. So 16, 16, 17 metropolitan areas competing to be one of 11 sites for the 2016 or 2026 World Cup. L.A., they are looking at SoFi Stadium, and they're looking at the Rose Bowl. Uh, This delegation from FIFA will be here three or four days. They're going to look at training facilities. um, You know, Galaxy training facility is one they're looking at. UCLA, uh, LAFCs, which is very small. They're looking at those. They're looking at the stadiums. looking at, uh, you know, uh, they want to see the luxury suites. They want to see those things. Uh, You know, where can they hold fan fest? Where can they hold cultural events? So that's all going to be going on. We're probably not going to hear anything concrete they're just going to say we liked it it looked really nice um what i'm hearing from the people i'm talking to is i always thought and i may have said this on the program more than once i thought SoFi was a lead pipe cinch to hold the final i just thought it was going to be there it's a beautiful stadium it's a new stadium it's the most expensive stadium in the u.s all that kind of stuff fifa loves there is a secret underground tunnel to get vips in and out of the stadium FIFA loves that. It's right next to the airport. The, you know, the chic of whatever can get on his plane and go back and not have to worry about L.A. traffic. All those things are great. You know, the one thing that doesn't work, the time, the time difference. If they want to hold this, uh, have that game be on in prime time in Asia or in Europe, they'd have to start the game at nine in the morning. They're not going to start the game at nine in the morning. So what it's looking like now is just reading the tea leaves from people I'm talking to. The final is probably going to be at MetLife. That's sort of the the favorite right now. Semifinals at SoFi and maybe in Arlington, Texas. Um, I would guess there'd also be a game at the Rose Bowl. I think both LA stadiums are going to get games. Um, we're just not going to get the final. It's a little bit of disappointment to me because I really thought SoFi was the one that was going to get it. Yeah, it, it, it's an interesting take. Uh, I will say this, though. It feels, and I think I feel fairly confident in this, and Kevin, you can sort of uh, tell me if I'm crazy or not, but there's going to be games in Los Angeles. There's no way Los Angeles well, isn't picked yeah. as a host city for for this. Well, well, no, you look at some of the other cities that are in the uh, allegedly in the competition. I don't know if anyone's dropped out yet, but like Nashville, Kansas City, you know, L.A. Uh, comes over those. You know, maybe L.A. comes over to Seattle probably. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm told that FIFA's not – really sold a Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, that there's some problems there. So, um, you know, field size, like Las Vegas was a was a stadium they were looking at. The field's way too small. They played the 
Nations League final there, and I, I feel that was too small. Arlington, Jerry Jones has already said he's going to take out X number of seats to expand the field. He's promised to do that. FIFA's kind of on board with that. So there, you only have to eliminate five cities. And, right. um, you know, five of them, Miami, they love the stadium there. It is regulation size, one of the few football stadiums, NFL stadiums that's regulation size. Yeah, I think we, you know, there's going to, it's going to be a record number of games, 84 games in this World Cup in three countries, but only group stage games in Canada and the U.S. From the quarterfinals are in Canada and Mexico. From the quarterfinals on, everything is in the U.S. And when you look at, uh, you know, 11 cities, um, yeah, I think L.A. gets more than one game. They probably get a quarterfinal, maybe at the Rose Bowl, um, maybe two quarterfinals, one at SoFi, one at the Rose Bowl. Then you would get a semifinal at SoFi. Yeah, I think it, two, three games minimum in L.A., I would think. Yeah, and, and group stage. I think they still think there's going to be some group stage games for the, for L.A. as well. I know there's going to be spread out again among Mexico and Canada as well, but L.A. still seems like one of those places that you'd want to have some, uh, at least one group sort of headquartered in. Um, and with the training facilities that are around, like you said, UCLA, uh, you know, maybe even USC, uh, and certainly uh, Dignity Health Sports Park with its large uh, locker rooms and training facilities and all that stuff lead to um, some headquarters for teams actually basing here in Los Angeles, depending on where their schedule is and sort of how they're going to go about that. Well, and look at the, oh, also, by the way, Santa Clara is also in the running. I think yep. a game is definitely going to be there. Right. Um, but another thing is LA has going for it is the diverse population. Um, you know, you went out, you know, whatever country plays here, it's the largest contingent of people from that country are here. Yeah. So you don't have to. Oh, looks like we, we, we lost Kevin again. I'm sure he'll bounce back here in a second. Uh, just just fun Wi-Fi stuff uh, in Jamaica and that type of thing. So as soon as he bounces back up, um, one of the things I want, I need to move on from the World Cup stuff just because Kevin's more the expert on that. So I will I will move on from that um, and try to figure out exactly, uh, you know, sort of what else we can talk about here. I have um, a couple things for L.A. Galaxy News um, and I'll do the more mundane one here first. Um, and that mundaneness. I should say, um, is probably more on yeah. the on the team awards side. Hey, Kevin. OK, we got you back. Um, the I was saying we need to move on from the World Cup stuff, so we'll do that. Um, I want to get over to the AT&T and, and the Young Player of the Year finalist um, and the Humanitarian of the Year finalist. These are league awards and two L.A. Galaxy players have been uh, have been put into this hat and have come out as finalists and they put three for each category. So you have Julian Araujo who is uh, nominated as a finalist for AT&T Young Player of the Year. Um, he's not going to win that award. Uh, they have uh, uh, Buchanan from New England and obviously Pepe from FC Dallas. And as much as we'd like to pretend that defense is just as important as offense, people tend to not believe that. So I believe that but he, he, he should win the other award he's nominated for. I he, think. he I, I agree with that, but that's also one that's not a soccer playing award. And it's just because he's a humanitarian and he, he does a ton of work out there. So um, Julian Rajo is in that list of uh, best young players of the year. Uh, I imagine Pep, Pepe Pepe is going to win. Ricardo Pepe from FC Dallas is going to win. And I think that that's probably not overall fair to Julian, but that's how it's going to go. I don't get a vote for this and that's going to be life. Um, so that's one of the ones there. The comeback player of the year finalist uh, is uh, is Chicharito. He's in there along with uh, Salui from Sporting Kansas City and, and Carlos Gill um, from New England. Um, I think I think uh, Gill's going to win that one as well. Uh, so uh, that one seems pretty open and shut to me. Chicharito had a great season from the comeback of the injuries in, in 2020, but he was also injured for two months out of that year. Yeah, uh, this that, year. That, that, that kills him. The fact that he come back from an injury and got injured again, it kind of takes away the whole comeback thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it absolutely will. Um, and then the humanitarian of the year finalist. This is Julian Rajo's award. Um, he he was named the humanitarian of the year for the LA Galaxy. Uh, he's going up against Justin Morrow from Toronto FC and Brad Stuver from Austin FC. Uh, Julian Rajo should win this award. I don't think so. That's that's why you're you're, you're seeing uh, sort of uh, you know the the end of the year awards from the league side of things. And again, I don't get a vote, so don't don't come complaining to me whenever um, it's all messed yeah. up. Who, who do you, if you had a vote, read the three finals for coach of the year, which one do you take? 
Uh, so it's really only two as far as I'm, cause I, I love, uh, Brian Schmetzer, but, um, he's not, yeah, he's, he's not in the running he was in the final last year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so wait, listen, he deserves, he deserves to be nominated in that category. I'm fine with that. Uh, but it's between Bruce arena and then, um, and then what's, uh, Robin Frazier Robin at Col- yeah, Colorado. Um, I've been surprised the public votes I've seen so far have given it the nod to Frazier more than Bruce. And I'm sitting here saying Bruce Arena and what he has done with New England uh, in the short amount of time that he had and setting a new league record for points. Granted, it's totally slanted in terms of a week at an Eastern Conference. And if they are in the Western Conference, they would never be as good as they are um, this year. But having said that, I would have thought that Bruce would run away with this. And so far, um, I've seen a lot more votes for Robin Frazier. In my mind, I give it to Bruce and I totally respect what Robin Frazier did. And he ran up against a guy who just caught lightning in a bottle, uh, with Bruce Arena. Uh, but I can see Robin Frazier winning this award, uh, very easily. I think either one of them is very deserving and I don't think there's a wrong answer in it. Yeah. I would vote for Bruce, but I I think Robin's also very deserving. It's one of those categories where, like you said, you can't go wrong and, and you kind of wish one of them could be nominated next year because there's some years when it's like it's a coin flip. This time it's it's two really deserving guys. Donovan Ricketts had that happen. Uh, he should have been nominated. I forget which year it was. I think maybe it was the year that the the, uh, the Galaxy uh, maybe it was like 2010 or something like that, where he should have been, he should have won goalkeeper of the year. And then like 2011, they ended up winning MLS cup. He had a good year, but it wasn't as good as the 2010 year. And he won uh, the goalkeeper of the year, the, the second year and not the first year. He should have got it the first year and not the second year. So make, make a call. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it was, it was one of those things. Um, it is, uh, it is certainly, I know some people were talking about world cup stuff and we didn't, we sort of lost you and we didn't get to wrap it up, but we were talking about the temporary grass, uh, sort of situation in those stadiums as well. I will say that if they are going to play games at SoFi, uh, that the grass will be laid in plenty of time and they'll take care of it and they'll keep it up. And it's not going to be temporary as we see usually Kevin, which is like they roll it in, uh, a couple days before and you see all of the different scenes in it and that types of things. If they're going to temporary grass, any of these stadiums, uh, they're going to do it in enough time to make it look like a real playing surface there. But it is temporary grass. I mean, it, yeah. it does. It does not live there. So there's always that that possibility that the grass dies or it starts to die. And all of a sudden it doesn't have a hold and it could be a disaster. Those well, are, those I don't are. Know if you went to school in Arizona. If you've ever been by, um, you know, that stadium where with the um, the grass comes in and out. I mean, what a great adventure that is where you can have the grass outside. You can grow up, bring it in, play the game. That was a brilliant scheme. And, and I think Arizona might wind up getting uh maybe a group play game, maybe something uh, a little past that. They've shown they can hold big events. They held Super Bowls there. Um, but then you look at some of the other stadiums like Las Vegas, a brand new stadium. SoFi, I don't believe the field is regulation. It's not 75 yards wide like it needs to be. It's a little shorter. Now, they can do some things to make that work. But, hey, if you're spending, a, what, $1.6 billion for a stadium, don't you add a few extra inches on each side to make it regulation for soccer? Not only knowing the World Cup is coming and the Olympics, but also knowing you could have Real Madrid, Barcelona there. You could have Bayern Munich come on a on a on a summer tour. You get a hundred thousand people or whatever your capacity is for those games. People that don't take into account the extra, and we're talking about a few yards on each side, don't take into account that extra space. To hold a real soccer match there, I just think they're totally missing it. Well, I mean, you talk about Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, right? And everybody talks about how that was designed with soccer in mind. And then you go look at the sight lines that they have for games on television and you say, no, you squeezed it in. You didn't really plan for it because if you did, you'd be able to see the near sideline, which you can't see because there's not enough room and they crammed it in there. That's that's fine. But, you know, don't lie to me and tell me that you had. Oh, yeah, it's always for it was always planned to have a soccer team in there. Yes, it's barely big enough to fit a soccer stadium in there. And if you would have done it right, you would have the proper sight lines on television to be able to see it. And that's one of the reasons that if you look at that, Kevin, and say, okay, you're going to host a World Cup game, nobody's going to tolerate not being able to see the the near sideline uh, in that stadium. Well, and another thing with NFL stadiums is is the, the field with the seats around it. It's kind of an oval like this, mm-hmm. whereas soccer fields are more of, of a square. A, re- a, rectangle. a rectangle, yes. Yeah, so for corner kicks and all that kind of stuff, you don't have the guy climbing up into the first row to make take a corner kick. The one stadium that got that right is Hard Rock. Is it still called Hard Rock? The one in Miami, in Miami Gardens. That is a, a rectangular field. That is a regulation-sized soccer field. 
It's uh, it's always interesting when we look at that. Let's uh, let's wrap up this show. And again, um, we're in off season mode. So if we don't reach a full hour, then we don't reach a full hour and everybody will just have to survive off of, you know, 45, 50 minutes of, of a galaxy talk uh, per week. And we have another show. Another computer problem and that would stretch things out a little bit. Let's, let's, let's try not okay. to. Uh, let's talk a little bit about more contract updates. And I just want to clarify one thing and sort of talk about uh, different things that you're going to be seeing and understand where that those sources of information are coming from. Um, and one of the things that we have seen from the LA from, from the MLS players association, uh, is just this releasing of, of the list, Kevin, the release releasing of the out of contract players and the team option players. And while, um, while this information is technically correct, it doesn't always tell the full story and we'll highlight one galaxy player in which it doesn't tell the full story. So that way, um, you can sort of understand how, um, how this goes forward, right? Um, well, there are two players out of contract, right? Jonah and and and, and Sasha Kleshin. Easy. Yeah. E- those are easy. There's nothing really to figure out there. They're out of contract. They can negotiate with the LA Galaxy to sign new contracts, um, and they're also free agents. As on top of those, both of them are free agents. Um, so you look at that and say, okay, you know, where does that put you in terms of re-signing them, not re-signing them? I think um, one of the other players that is, you know, has some question marks. Victor Vasquez, right? But we know he has a club option. And so that's going to have to be discussed. Well, there's club options, Kevin. And then there's also club options that are triggered automatically by some event. Like, hey, if we win MLS Cup while you're playing for us, then you get an automatic contract, extra contract year. If you meet X number of minutes played in this season, then you get an automatic contract. That option that's there automatically gets picked up, right? These are performance-based metrics that cue options. So while the league or while the MLS Players Association has released the, these guys have option years, sometimes, in and especially in one case of an LA Galaxy player, we'll tell you who, um, is sometimes that means that that option already got triggered. So yes, there's an option year, but that option's already triggered. So technically speaking, already have a contract for next year and specifically with Dan Steris, um, that he, Dan Steris has a contract now for, for the 2022 season. So while it shows him on an option year, um, he is signed to the LA galaxy. We know this. Um, and so we know that that also puts the LA galaxy in a situation whenever it comes to Dan Steris. All right. And the performance metrics, by the way, don't necessarily mean, you know, Kevin, if you sign a three-year contract or a two-year contract and a one-year option that has it, well, in your first year, you could meet those performance metrics, which automatically turns that into a one-year from that, from a two-year contract into a three-year contract because the first year you met the performance metrics, right? So now you're on a three-year contract. We don't have to worry about it. So even if you don't make the performance metrics in the second season, it doesn't matter. The option has already been triggered. All right. So Steris essentially triggered his option in 2020, which was the shortened season. I'm sure a lot of that stuff was adjusted for games played and stuff like that because they didn't play a full season. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be with the Galaxy because the Galaxy own his rights. They have his contract. They could trade it. Yes. And I, I think Dan was a little disappointed he didn't play as much. I was a little disappointed he didn't play as much as I thought he should. And, you know, I think it might behoove the Galaxy because he has a lot of value. It might behoove Dave to look somewhere else where he gets to go play or Dan rather Dan, yeah. gets to go somewhere where he can play. He yeah. deserves to play. I mean, if you look at it, uh, a similar situation with with Dave Romney, you said Dave and I was like, oh, Romney. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I know. And it, it makes a lot of sense that Dave Romney wanted to move. He wanted to go somewhere. Um, the LA Galaxy found him a place and, and he landed and he's on one of the best defenses in Major League Soccer. Um, you know, Dan it hit for whatever reason. And I'm not privy to the information. I don't know why. But Greg Vanny doesn't seem to like. Dan Stares or and it's not like a personal thing. It's not like I don't like your attitude or stuff like that. It's just however he sees he doesn't see him fitting into to this team. That could change. That can change in an offseason for a guy who's already under contract. Um and uh if that changes, then you know Dan Stares could be a star. I as far as I'm concerned, there's only um in, in terms of center backs, there's only one of those positions that I would consider at least right now taken. And I think Derek Williams has has one of the center back positions. Um, and so I think you go into next season knowing that you have to figure out whether it's Nick Depew, um, whether it's Sega cool or, or whether it's Dan Steris or Jalen Neal, um, you know, any of the guys who are coming up that can also make the leap and do that. So there's, could be a lot of competition for that second well, spot. And, and, and Depew seemed to be that guy that was getting the, you know, the reps at the end of the season seemed to be the guy that Vanny liked. One thing about Dan Steris, um, is that, you know, Vanny was a defender and, I think that factors into this because whatever it was with Steris that he 
didn't like or that it, it wasn't, you know, his cup of tea, meaning Vanny, it's it's hard for Dan to overcome that because Vanny is a defender and he has a very specific way of what he wants his defenders to play and what he wants them to do and the skill set he wants them to have. Um, and if he's decided Sterrett's going to have that, it's hard to win him over. Now, it could be different with a midfielder or a forward where he's not as intimately connected to that style of play. Um, you know, Walker Zimmerman talked today at U.S. national team camp about how he learned to play the ball out of the back and to make those line-breaking passes that Greg Berhalter wanted him to make. Um, you know, he was able to adjust his game to do what Berhalter wanted. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on in, in, in the intricacies of the galaxy and, and what the problem is, but sometimes you can do that like a Walker Zimmerman can learn to make those line-breaking passes, and sometimes you just can't adjust your game. It, you know, they want you to go away from a strength to a weakness of yours, and it's hard to do that. That doesn't make Dan a, a better player or a worse player. It just makes him a guy that maybe doesn't fit into the formula. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you, you said something. He's valuable within Major League Soccer. Being a domestic center back, a uh, domestic defender, is is valuable within the organization. And so, and a, a good player who's a veteran player with a lot of experience, um, yeah, I think he has a lot of value. Yeah. And if the Galaxy, for whatever reason, the Galaxy decide that he's a guy that's not going to play here, if it's in Dan Saris's best interest and it's in the Galaxy's best interest to find a place where he can play and then get a price consummate to that, um, you know, in return. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's always interesting to, to sort of follow these things through, but, um, that is, that is sort of the reality that faces. I mean, you, you have the same sort of thing whenever you look at Sebastian Legit, right? A guy who's being paid a lot of money and targeted allocation money, um, is there a place if the galaxy go out and spend big this winter as it's expected to happen for a designated player and possibly put them in a midfield position, maybe a number 10 player, Kevin, is there a place on the team for Sebastian Legette? Uh, and while, uh, while I think it would be difficult to move him in terms of one, how much he's making and two, uh, he's still a fan favorite. I know lots of people like to get sick and tired of Sebastian Legette and all those other things, but it, it would be a PR hit to move Sebastian Legette. Absolutely. And do you have to worry about that? Yes, you have to worry about that. You have to worry about that if you get it wrong, for sure, because then everybody will be talking about the AJ De La Garza trade uh, still like five years after it happened, um, because those are the things that that happen, um, you know, around the league. So do you have to worry about PR hits? Yeah, you do. Um, but Sebastian Legette didn't have a great year, had a tough year. Um, played a lot of minutes for the, for the U S played a lot of minutes for the LA galaxy, um, had some personal issues off the field as well that, that really did. I, I imagine took him out of his game. I imagine it's not nearly the year he thought he was going to have, uh, whenever the year started. Um, and, and that's how things go. Sometimes, sometimes you don't fit, but can he fit into a Greg Vanny system? Can he work into a position where the LA galaxy can utilize him to his fullest because he's a very talented player or does he need to go somewhere? Uh, where someone else will utilize them. It's funny because we always talk about this and we laugh, Kevin, but it's like, oh, where could Dan Steras go? Well, Bruce would probably take him in New England, right? It's like it's like one of those. It's like, oh, Sebastian Legette is going to leave the LA Galaxy. I wonder who would take it. Well, Bruce would take him in New England, yeah. you know? Um, and so, I mean, these are the these are the types of things that, that you have to discuss in this offseason. But we look at players who are out of contract. We look at players who have contract options. We don't know whether or not those options are triggered most of the time. Right. So you look at all these different things. And by the way, the press release is just going to say Dan Stara's option. You know, Galaxy exercised the option of Dan Stara's. You're never going to know it was performance based. And that's the reason why they exercised it. And everybody would be sitting there going, well, he didn't even play. Why would you exercise his option? And he makes four hundred thousand dollars. Well, because the contract says that if you make it, you get it. That's how these things go. Um, I don't think this offseason will be as busy as last one. I mean, what did Greg bring in? Like 15 players or 15, something? 15, 17, something like that. He's got the core that he wants, but there are obvious things that jumped out. Jonathan Dos Santos was not that box-to-box -box guy that he wanted. Um, if Victor Vasquez doesn't come back, he needs to fill that role. So it's now to the point where we're, I don't want to say fine-tuning because it's a little bit more of a heavy lift than that, but I think we've identified where the holes are, and I think they're going to focus on a laser, like a laser and getting those holes filled, and Jonathan Dos Santos' uh, designated player contract uh, now expiring is going to play a big role in that. So I think if Jonathan wants to come back, I think he's going to have to come back at under DP salary. And does he want to, does he want to do that? Does he want to accept that um, lower salary to come back 
there might be something to talk about, but I think the Galaxy want that DP spot more than anything. Uh, the the Galaxy technically don't have to improve all that much, Kevin, just to really even vault themselves into a top two or top three spot, really in the Western Conference. When you look at it, all the teams in the Western Conference lead one, two, three, and four, all finished with seventeen wins. So you're talking about the right. difference for the LA yeah, Galaxy. The in four games. Nashville's coming over though. Nashville's coming over as well. Though. They are. They are absolutely. And so, I mean, you know, as we said, they are, they're getting promoted, right? And and Charlotte's going to come into the league and they're going to go into the weekend Eastern Conference. And again, we'll have skewed things and somebody will win a supporter shield for some reason and everybody will pretend like that means something. So, I mean, that's 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 the life we live in in MLS and soon we'll stop expanding. Probably not. Um, and, you know, everything will sort of um, eventually find this equilibrium of, of how the conferences really shake out. But I will say that you know, you look at the, how the LA Galaxy played this year, Kevin, and there were games where they probably should have won those games uh, and they didn't. And because of that, I'm sure you could find four games pretty easily where the Galaxy could have won. So uh, I'm saying that in MLS, as we've often talked about, the the improvements or the things you need to do to be better than the other team come down to like single percentage points, right? Like 2%. You need to be 2% better. You know, New England felt like they were 10% better than the entire Eastern Conference, right? But whenever you look at the Western Conference, look at the top three teams in there. 1%, maybe half a percentage is the difference between Colorado, Seattle, and Kansas City this year. Um, right on top of each other. I mean, Portland just sort of, you know, floated into the fourth spot there. Um, so all these things, when you look at it um, and what the Galaxy have to do, first of all, not having 17 new players and trying to have to, you know, reintegrate them into a team that is, you know, trying to figure itself out under a first year Greg Vanny coach. It was interesting, though. Somebody put out a graphic and showed Guillermo Barrescoloto in his first season and Greg Vanny in his first season. And when you look at them, uh, Shkoloto, I think, had one more win because um, he had 51 points instead of 48, and he made the playoffs uh, in that. And so if you're comparing, uh, then right now it looks like Guillermo Barrescoloto had, at least on stats and paper, had a better season than Greg but, Vanny. No, he made the, GBS made the playoffs the second season. The first season was when he lost to Houston in the last game. That was, wasn't that, that was Siggy. That was Siggy. And it was Dominic Kinnear who was in charge at that time because because uh, Guillermo didn't come in. So uh, Guillermo got the playoffs in his first season in 2019. Okay. Yeah, I remember. Don't worry. Oh, that's right. Okay, I was 2019, there. 2020 yeah. was the second season. 2020 yeah. was okay. the second one, which, again, people want to, you know, sort of complain. It's like this is listen, they're basically you can split them right down the middle. Now, I'll tell you this, that if you look at G GBS in that first year and with Zlatan playing in his last year, um, that the Galaxy were should have been poised, I think, to be an even better team, um, and they weren't uh, under that sort of uh, that group of players, right? I mean, they did they brought in some new people in 2019, but the 2018 team should have made the playoffs. 2019 was sort of geared to make the playoffs and did, but the the style of play was also pass the ball to Zlatan, um, and I would say that Greg Vanny at least has a different style of play um, that that I've been able to recognize. Did you know this is the second time in four seasons that Dominic Kinnear did not coach the last game of the season? <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, 50% right? of the last four seasons were coached by Dominic uh, Kinnear the last game. Uh, poor I, There's a guy who is going to get a, a head coaching job and will greatly deserve it because everybody wants to wash over. Remember when Bruce Arena was MLS 1.0? Remember, remember that was never going to work again and the whole deal? And it's like I'm waiting for Dave Sarakin and Dominic Kinnear to come in and just start like, you know, teaching people how it's supposed to work. Well, there's a lot of openings, right? But don't we have an interim in Vancouver and we need a coach in Dallas, right? I, I mean, Vancouver is going to be, they're going to give that job to, uh, to, uh, what's it, whatever his name is up there. Who was the interim? That seems that that's, and I think, doesn't we also late still have an interim coach? Pablo. Pa I think Pablo group. has a good chance of obviously with them in the playoffs and that type of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's could asking, be an opening, could be an opening in LAFC soon. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a very real possibility. We've been talking about that in the press box for, for a lot of the season. So, I mean, listen, Dominic Kinnear could come in and fix the team. So if you're looking for somebody, uh, Dominic Kinnear might be your guy. And by the way, Patrick says, where is Dom? I would imagine that he's at home chilling, uh, still getting paid. Listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I doubt that Dom is great, but I don't think he wastes his time, uh, with, with me, by the way, again, Dominic Kinnear does hold the corner of the galaxy record for the most times almost hit by my car in the Staples center parking garage. Cause it was twice, um, two different occasions, two different events, uh, lower levels there. Not really hit. He was near my car as I went around the corner and I got to say hi, but I'll, I like to embellish a little bit. So that's where we sit. All right. We done? Look, we talked for an hour. Good job. 
Way to go. Good job. Yep. We did it again. So there we go. That's where we're, uh, that's where we're at. I did it again. No, please don't sing that song. I, (laughs) I should sing that song, but don't ruin Miss, Miss Brittany. Um, we we should have a caroling show. We, that's something we should, we should not do. I agree a hundred percent. We should not do that. That sounds like a horrible idea. So we won't do that. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin, you good? We can go, right? It's midnight here. Okay. So then I will let you go. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com where you can find all of Kevin's articles. He does a great job. He's got a newsletter. Go subscribe to that as well. We're part of that at the very, very bottom of it. I think that we I need to get better billing on that, but we'll work on that some other time. But please uh, go follow Kevin at kbaxter11. Go over to latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S, a man, and of course at galaxypodcast.com where you can find us show on thursday no show the entirety of the fall next week that's thanksgiving we're off monday and thursday we'll be back after that see what the galaxy have to do all right i'm done he's done for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman you've been listening you've been watching to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com have a great one you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at galaxy podcast And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.